Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Athletes Unfiltered, the podcast made by the athlete for the fans. Now here are your hosts, Adrian Martinez and Jeff Ekstrom. Whether you are doing some homework, taking a walk with the beautiful weather we've been having, welcome in to episode two of Athletes Unfiltered. As always, I am your host, Jeff Ekstrom, and alongside with me is former Nebraska quarterback and current Kansas State quarterback, Adrian Martinez. Adrian, episode two, we're talking about even more things. We talked about a lot in the first episode, but now we're going to talk about the transfer portal here in this one. Yeah, um, plenty of interesting stories. Um, it was hectic, uh, a bit crazy, and obviously a little bit infamous, the transfer portal. So we'll, we'll definitely dive into all the aspects there and, and my own personal experience. But before we get to that, make sure to go back and listen to episode one. You will not want to miss it. We talk about Adrian's decision to transfer and what happened during the regular season, including Adrian you battling through that broken jaw. One of the biggest things that I came away from the episode is, I guess, yeah. don't, don't uh, put steak and blend it up and have that uh, as dinner, right? No, I mean, never again. No matter what happens, I'll find another way. But that was a terrible mistake. And I made it several times. You know, I kept thinking, oh, maybe it would taste better, and it didn't. I don't know how you could do it. We just want to acknowledge and shout out everyone who had a great time listening to our first episode of the new season. A lot of great responses. Everyone's very supportive of Adrian and your story. And I feel like it was something that was needed to be told. And I think everyone was really accepting of the story that you had to tell. A hundred percent. Um I was really blown away by the feedback, uh, the engagement of it all, and and just the support. You know, um, people have differing opinions about it all, but I think more than anything, it was important for me and uh, just this podcast to to have that platform. I think it, it was the entire purpose of it. You know, is to share stories like that um, and have more athletes share stories. So I, I was really excited that it worked out the way it did and excited that we have this type of following and we can continue to grow it because we have that many more stories to tell. So thank you. Yeah, certainly. So, well, before we get in the transfer portal too, let's get some thoughts, national championship game, Georgia beating Alabama. I mean, you love to see it. I, I respect Alabama, the heck out of Alabama and Nick Saban, but Stetson Bennett getting it done and then going up the next morning, looking pretty mm. Hungover on the uh, news uh, in the next morning, but hey, yeah, I mean, you can't, 
you can't blame the guy. No. I, I won't blame him. I mean, you win a national championship. The guy's 21, 22 years old. Hey, go go enjoy it. I mean, yeah. you and whoever scheduled that interview for 7 a.m. in the morning, what are we thinking? You know, yeah. what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. But even before that game, just a personal side note, right, wrong, or indifferent, I was – I am and was one of those guys that would root for Big Ten teams, you know. So in the bowl games, I was like, hey, I want these teams to win. There's a little bit of that conference uh, bias. But I was hoping Michigan was going to be able to pull it out against Georgia, and uh, it didn't happen. Um, So I was a little disappointed in that matchup. But the eventual national champion, Georgia, pretty much dominated. I mean, they dominated in the game against Michigan, and they dominated in the game against Alabama. And – look like the superior team. And there was a lot of parody in college football this year where Alabama couldn't – they could have not made it, you know, easily could have not made it. The The week before the uh, conference championship, they should have lost to Auburn. They should have lost that game, and that would have taken them out of it. And we could have seen Oklahoma State or um, – I can't remember what the other team was kind of looking um, from the outside, but uh, – you know, the, arguably it could have been a, a, a variety of teams and, and really could have easily been Michigan in that national championship game against Georgia. But really all year um, you saw Georgia dominate for the most part, and it wasn't really a surprising outcome in my opinion. Oh, Oklahoma State literally one yard short of the college football playoff, losing that Big 12 title game to Baylor. Man. Yeah, I yeah. It, I, I watched that. Well, that game was – now, yeah, it kind of jogged my memory uh, there – there was probably six or seven turnovers in that game. Yeah. Insane. But I think that it shows you a little bit the different style, if you will, of play. Um, and, I, you know, we'll find out this upcoming year when I get to play in the Big 12. But the Big 10, shoot, the turnover margin is – it's it's a huge yeah. statistical category in the NFL and in college and in high school. But the Big 10, I I would say, is a little bit more similar to the NFL in that way where if you turn the ball over two times, shoot, if we ran a little little stat background there, I'm sure that team loses 95% of the time. Um, and I think Oklahoma State turned over four times and Baylor turned over three times. I mean, it's kind of r- ridiculous, yeah. but it was really entertaining. Yeah, we've talked about, I think even before here, that each conference has its own play style. And it just mm-hmm. seems like over the past few years, the Big Ten has kind of gone – to that side where you just have to be the most disciplined team to win. Obviously that goes for everyone, but I think especially in the big 10, the margin for error is so low that even yeah. one or two turnovers and that's the game. Well, and, and I'd attribute that to a couple things. One, it, it's definitely the identity of the conference. And when you look at really the winners of the West, because I, I wouldn't um, categorize Ohio state necessarily in that, in that sort of bubble, um, they have a little bit different style of play. They kind of get away with doing some things that some other teams just don't do because they, they either don't recruit that way. They don't run the same type of offense. Um, but like the Northwesterns of the world, you know, the way Wisconsin runs their offense, Iowa. I mean, they're all very, very similar. Um, and it's a little bit of ball control. It's, it's run the football. It's, it's be very physical, take care of the ball. And um, that is really – become almost a whole conference-wide identity in the Big Ten for most of the teams. Now, I mean, Michigan did the same thing this year. That was their identity on offense. Um, Ohio State, again, is a little bit different. But 
there are a lot of teams in the Big Ten who embody that. And when you go to different conferences, it's like the Big 12 really isn't like that necessarily. And I'm, I'm really intrigued to learn more and more about um, the style of play. I've already picked up on a few different things. But, um, yeah, that is pretty unique. And that also – it just – contributes to the need to not turn over the football because, hey, say if you turn the ball over, you might not get the ball back for another eight minutes and they go down and score and that that score doesn't feel like you're down a touchdown. It feels like you're down three because that next drive is so important. Yeah, Nothing more demoralizing than turning the ball over and your opponent doing an eight-minute touchdown drive, 80 yards, and all of a sudden, yeah, like you said, puts all the pressure on. Just without totally a doubt. demoralizing. Yeah, without a doubt. Now, back to the national championship game, just for a quick second. Watching it, I don't know if I've ever seen as much elite talent going at each other than that game right there between Alabama and Georgia. Mm. I mean, yeah, I mean, they are, uh, in a sense, in a class of their own, really, right now. I would say both programs. Alabama consistently, I don't know how many years it's been, but I don't know if they've missed a college football playoff, maybe one year. Um, since yeah. it's been in existence and George has been on their coattails. I mean, this entire time too. Um, yeah, I, what was really impressive, um, is their, their front seven on both sides are elite guys, elite guys, all of them NFL dudes who will be playing, uh, the size, the speed, just a, a different level of athleticism, um, that both teams definitely showed. I mean, George has shown it all year. Defense showed to be elite, except for the one game against Alabama in the SEC championship. But there weren't – I mean, those are probably the only two teams that could really match up on each other. There, there probably weren't a lot of teams out there that could really do that. And, I mean, while we're here too, just going to the NFL quick, Chiefs-Bills, AFC Divisional? Oh, but without a doubt, the best – NFL playoff stretch I've ever been alive for. And yeah. I mean, hearing people talk about it, it sounds like ever. I mean, you go the, the wild card games, all of them, one score. The Bengals barely made it out from the Raiders. I watched that game. The, they kept a minute and the Raiders were on a, a game winning drive at the end of the game. I mean, it was that close. And that was the first playoff game. And they go, I mean, just game after game, so close. And the Bills, Chiefs, I'll never understand how they scored with 13 seconds left. Never understand. And that, that was one of those games, once it got to overtime, which, I mean, we might get off on a tangent here, but, <laughs> you know, the Chiefs won the toss. It was like whoever won the toss was going to win that game because the defense was not stopping anybody. Yeah. Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes both played perfect games. Offenses were both hitting on all cylinders. Uh, and it was incredibly entertaining, but – Goodness, what are we doing? 13 yeah. seconds? And, and there has to be an in-between because when you go look back, the defense is essentially in a prevent type. And the Chiefs ate him up. I mean, they, I think they threw a little short pass to Tyreek Hill. He skirted for 30. And then they decided to play, kind of hug him up tight, send a little pressure, and they throw a little corner route to Travis Kelsey with the corner guarding the sideline, which when they had – I think they had – Three, they had two timeouts, one timeout. Hey, dude, they're not going out of bounds. Yeah. You know, they, they don't need to. You don't need to guard the sideline. You need to cover Travis Kelsey. And, you know, who's to say it's a tough spot? It's at the end of the game. I get it. There's a lot of pressure, but those little things, those little details, 
that's what gets you. But it's insane to me how they drove down the field in 13 seconds to force it to overtime. And then once they got the toss, it was it was game over. And I felt terrible for Josh Allen because that was who I was rooting for at the beginning of the playoffs. And he did everything he could to win that game. You leave a quarterback 13 seconds, the game should be over. Yeah. You leave anyone 13 seconds. I mean, there's no reason to come back from that. And I guess I should say the Bills were the NFL's regular season number one overall defense, too. Well, and, and this, I, I've heard this a lot, too. Um, there's the old saying that defense wins championships. And, I, I mean, I, I think having a great, a great defense is important. But that saying almost might be out of the window. You know, it might be done. Because none of – I heard this also. None of the top ten defenses – made it to the championship round, the conference championship. There, there might've been like two top 10 defenses in the playoffs at all. Hmm. So, Hey, I love the saying it, it fits great, but I don't think that's something you can apply to today's NFL because it's so offensive driven. Um, yeah. It's quarterback driven and it's, Hey, it's about putting some points up on the board and you see it, you know, when you have a guy who can drive down the field at the end of a game, it's, it's a difference maker, and it doesn't really matter if you have the number one defense in the league or not. Yeah, and especially this year when you saw teams literally play the end of games, like just so like Patrick Mahomes wouldn't get the ball back at the very end. They would go for it in their own territory to try and clinch the game and then punt it away to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's ultimate respect, truly. But, I mean, there's a handful of guys in the league who can do the same thing. Yep. Um, I mean, Matt Stafford, he might – I don't know if it's him, it might be, or Derek Carr, who has like the most come back, come from behind victories. I mean, Kirk Cousins, there's a handful of guys, probably 10 quarterbacks, 10, 12 quarterbacks, who if they have the ball in their hands at the end of the game, they're probably going to go win it. You know, and I mean, it speaks to, hey, you got to be pretty damn good to be in the NFL and be a quarterback, but also just the state of the league and, and how powerful these offenses are. It's insane, and the league has never been better, in my opinion. We got some good, oh uh, for sure, great Super Bowl matchup coming up with um, the Bengals um, and the Rams. Yeah, the Rams. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Lots no, of stuff going on going up here. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. We got <laughs> yeah. a lot to cover. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. What's on my mind right now is talking about the transfer portal. Let's get right into it um adrian okay let's get the timeline set you announced your decision to transfer on december 2nd and then you announced your decision to commit to k-state on december 16th let's get that timeline and i mean you mentioned it it started right after you announced Mm. yeah um it was a bit hectic there because I had to be really careful in my mind. I wanted the news to be broken by me. I wanted to have a chance to tell my teammates, tell my coaches, send off some texts and and do some things before the news broke. Um, And even then it was sort of like, Hey, I got texts from probably four media outlets. that were like, we're running a story at 12, just so you know. Um, and I was like, damn, you know, I haven't, I hadn't even really gotten a chance to announce, you know, but I, I did get a little bit to, Hey, tell the people that needed to know that I wanted to know, um, before it was officially public that I was transferring, but yeah, there was a whole process. You have to go through compliance and tell the coaches, you obviously have to let your head coach know before you leave. And, uh, 
before you make it official. And none of that was easy, but um, my mind was made up. And like some of the things we discussed in episode one, uh, some of my reasons, uh, I felt ready to, to take that leap. So when I put it out, I mean, my phone instantly blew up. No exaggeration. I mean, hundreds of, of texts and calls and, and, you know, messages. And that wasn't all like, Oh, a hundred, all 150 colleges called. No, that's not what I mean. Like, you know, family, friends, um, people really pouring out support, which meant a lot to me. Um, there was a lot of stuff that it made me feel grateful for my time in Nebraska and just the impact I was able to leave and, uh, some really special exchanges and sort of goodbyes for me. So I really did appreciate that. Uh, but also in, in the mixture, there were coaches, um, Twitter DMs and text messages. Guys had my number. I don't know how. I don't know how they got my number. I, I got a call, and there must be something you can – somewhere you could pay to do this, but I'd they'd call me, and their name would pop up on my phone, and I hadn't – you know, didn't have their number or anything. Uh, I was like, huh. Answer, hello, this is Coach from so-and-so. Um, and, I mean, instantly, just – I probably had – and. No exaggeration. I mean, I announced at 12, I probably had five phone conversations by one thirty with different coaches. I mean, just like that. And for me, I, I never liked recruiting the first time around. I'm 22 years old now. I've played college football. I'm not in it for the hype or the, you know, the photo shoots or anything else. So I want to get to the real stuff and some of it you just you have to get through. You, you want to form relationships. You want to try and get a feel for the other person and the program and this and that. Uh, but some of it's bullshit, you know, <laughs> just yeah. straight up. It's it's, you know, hey, we have the best facilities in the country. Like, I don't care about that. Like maybe 17 year old me would have been fascinated by it. But at this point, hey, look. Everyone's got the bells and whistles. Everyone's got the nutrition stand where you can get a protein bar and they got a bench press and a, a squat rack. Like, hey, it's it's what you do with it anywhere. It's what you do with it. Guys make it from everywhere. So some of that stuff I I wasn't caught up in. So the recruiting journey was a lot different for me. And I was asking different questions, looking for different things. And, um, you know, in that process, there, early on, I sort of had to have an idea of what I was looking for. And I was sifting through that. Um, answered a lot of calls and, and I decided not to answer a lot of other ones because I, I was sort of looking for a specific criteria, um, in a school. Yeah. Wow. I mean, <laughs> five phone calls in an hour and a half there. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to label it, but it, it was just really overwhelming, really fast. Yeah. Um, now what's interesting too, is that this go around and kind of your second recruitment is that NIL is a factor. How big of a pitch was that in a lot of the schools that approached you? Well, uh, yeah, for me, so in all reality, if if NIL was a big factor for me, I, I'd still be at Nebraska. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's, th that's a fact. Um, Nebraska will do great in NIL, did great last year, and will continue to prosper. They have a great media team, um, great businesses in the state wanting to support uh, and a staff in place to do it. For me, this decision was more about finding success on the field um, and needing a new opportunity, something that was 
different would challenge me in a different way. So when I, you know, I, I said in my Kansas state presser and whether the context was fully understood or not, I don't know, but it was a, a business decision um, in that aspect from, from a football aspect, not NIL. Uh, obviously NIL is something that's somewhat important to me because we're, we're sitting here doing this podcast, but yeah, uh, <laughs> it definitely wasn't a make or break uh, factor for me and, and not something I even wanted to discuss. I didn't have very much time mm-hmm. and I told everyone I talked to up front that like, Hey, I, I, I don't care about NIL. I'm not going to be swayed because of the opportunities there. For me, I got an opportunity to dive into it at Nebraska. Uh, i Felt like I did well and, and did what I wanted to do, but I want to go get my master's degree and I, I want to go be successful on the football field and give myself an opportunity to play in the NFL. So NIL, I, I see all this crazy stuff like, hey, this recruit committed because of they offered like 400K and, you know, we're offering Caleb Williams a million dollars to come to Eastern Michigan. Like, hey, not me. And I'm good. I'm not saying anyone would offer me a million dollars right now. Uh, that'd be awesome. But if someone did, I would have definitely took it. But <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But honestly, nil for me wasn't really a big factor. And so, how many schools, by number count, reached out or you listened to? Um. You know, I, I trimmed it down pretty early. Uh, there, there were a lot of, you know, smaller, um, I shouldn't say smaller. How about mid-major schools that reached out instantly? But um, like I've said before, quarterbacks can make it from anywhere. And for me, I, I really wasn't – I wanted to get into a, a winning situation somewhere I could prove myself. And I didn't necessarily think uh, going down a step would be the right opportunity for, for me. Um, UCF was one of those schools that I, I kind of considered an, an exception because of their success and uh, because of their respect around the country. Uh, and I, I did look at that for a little while, but I'd say initially uh, there was 10 schools that I was, I was really interested in. And what made it so tough is I had, and I didn't know this until you know, after the fact, unfortunately, is that there was a dead period. So there was about a week dead period. Um, I think it was uh, probably like two weeks, two weeks after I, um, yeah, after I announced, there was a dead period where you couldn't take any official visits or anything. It might have been a week. It was a week and a half, I believe, because I think it was a Wednesday I announced. So there was a week and a half to take official visits and go out and like, see places and talk with coaches the whole bit. So very limited time. I couldn't mess around and necessarily, you know, Hey, let's so go to every school and let's, yeah, yeah let's, let's, uh, <laughs> you know, take all five and <laughs> yeah. just chat with these kids. You know, it was like, all right, like, Hey coach, honestly, I'm, I'm not, I'm not really interested, you know? And, it was it was real rapid and and you could tell which guys were really interested and which weren't like that day um coach klein the k-state quarterback coach drove down uh i think he was somewhere in kansas city or somewhere in missouri maybe and he drove to have dinner with me in lincoln Mm. that night 
and I announced to 12. So he met me at for dinner at night to kind of pitch me and be like, Hey, we're blah, blah, blah. Um, and the next day I had lunch with, uh, I'll just say a, a big 10 quarterback OC coach had lunch with him the next day. And that night I had dinner with another coach and the next day I had a dinner with another coach. And it was like that just quick, like, all right, Hey, this is our offense. This is our program. This is what I'm about. This is what we're about. This is what we like in you. We hope you like us. We have pretty much had that half week to decide, okay, like where am I going to try and visit this next week? What am I looking for in a school? Um, what exactly could I see myself fitting in here? Is it, is it different enough? And it was, it was really rapid. Like I said, um, and constant, you know, phone calls and, and I was, I was doing my best to do research and talk with these guys, but part of it's like recruiting, you know, like some of these conversations all, they all start sounding the same and it's, it's tough. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here complaining about a good problem, but it, it, it could be tough. So you go through that and you selected down to a few, obviously you made a, official visits to California and K-State, the big ones. Um, how'd you narrow it down from that 10, like you mentioned, down to your final three or five or whatever it was? Yeah, so like I was saying, part of it was like, okay, where can I go take a visit and get a feel for this place and get my family there and um, you know, hit all the the check marks that I, that I wanted to hit. Uh, and for me, there were a couple factors. Like I said, one of them was, Where's going to give me the best chance? I was looking for an ideal situation, right? Every, everyone is, but I, I wanted to know that I could come in and compete and not be guaranteed the job because that's never realistic. That's that's false. If anyone said, hey, the job's yours, I'm walking the other way because they're lying to me. You know, that's just not the reality of, of college football. So I just wanted somewhere where, hey, I can go compete. I know I can compete. They believe in my abilities, Um and I think I fit with them in their culture, with their offense, and I can prove uh, myself in their system. So those are some of the things. What will give me the opportunity to get to the NFL, do some different things? Uh, where do I fit in with the guys? Um, and for me, the reason it, it ended up being Cal and K-State is I, I ended up having – Probably, and I'm not going to name them because I don't want it to turn into a headline. <laughs> but I, I, I'm there were five Big Ten teams who reached out to me and wanted me to to go to their school, wanted me go take a visit, and I wrestled with the idea. But for me, I, I had experienced the Big Ten. I had four straight years of living the Big Ten, and say if I went to a Big Ten West team. How much, how much different would that really be? You know, how, what new experience, what new challenge is that for me? It's kind of like the same old thing. It's just, it is a different program, but I'm, I'm playing all the same teams. I know them really well, but they, but they know me really well too. You know, they've seen me. Um, so I decided not to go that route. Uh, Cal was an opportunity that was closer to home, uh, good educational opportunity, and a coaching staff and a system that I felt was really similar to the NFL. Uh, their OC, um, gosh, I'm trying to remember his name. Um, it's on the tip of my tongue. Either way, he was the offensive coordinator for the Raiders when Derek Carr had his like close to MVP season. 
like 20 years of NFL experience, played in the NFL, regardless. Real NFL presence there in an NFL system, and they had some pieces I felt like we could be successful there. So I wanted to make sure I, I took a visit there. And Kansas State, obviously my, my ultimate choice, um, great culture, great staff, uh, a quarterback coach who is now the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach, formed a really great relationship with him right off the bat. And again, it was a system more similar to the NFL where I felt like I could really be complimented and also thrive in with right now he's listed as the number one returning running back in all of college football and the number five returning tackle in all of college football left tackle um, Cooper BB. So they had some really good pieces as well. A lot of returning players. Um, and so I, I didn't have enough time really to go take visits anywhere else. By the time I decided that it was Monday and I had to turn around and, and I was still doing rehab on my shoulder. You know, I'm sort of fresh out of surgery, really. <laughs> I had to take a 6 a.m. flight that I almost missed to Cal. <laughs> Funny story. I, so it's cool. On these official visits, a little sidebar here. On these official visits, they get you a, um, like a service, like a – I don't want to say a limo. I can't really think of the, the right term. But they, they get a car to come pick you up and drop you off, right, and then pick you mm-hmm. up at the airport and whatever. So I set an alarm for like 4 o'clock, and I must have slept through it. And I wake up from this call and it's this dude. He's like, Hey, like, are you ready? And I look at my phone. It's like five 15. My flight takes <laughs> off at six. I'm like, okay, this is a disaster. I'm already packed up though, which is good. I just need to like throw on some clothes, brush my teeth, fly out the door, zoom into the airport. And it's like five, I think five forty or so, maybe five forty-five. And the Lincoln airport is super small. Everyone who's been there. I go in and there's no one at the front because like usually I didn't really think about it, but the person at the front that's working there checking in the bags is also the person who's like taking your boarding pass at the front or at the, at the gate. So I go up and there's no one there. So I go to that little help desk. I'm like, Hey, like, is there anyone that's coming down to check the bag? He's like, Oh no. But as long as you're not on the 6 a.m. 6 a.m. flight, like you're good. And I'm like, well, I actually, I, I am on that flight. So can we do anything? And, of course, super nice. It's like, yeah, like let's figure it out. So we ran up there. I go through security. They lucked out. I lucked out. I made the flight, fly to California, go on awesome visit. You know, like you spend the whole day, you have a whole agenda. And a big piece for me was watching film and getting a feel for their offense, um, being around their guys. So I, I stay out. I, I hang out with the guys, you know, I, I get to know them. Um, and for me, I'm, I'm on a time change. So I'm staying out around, I don't know. It was probably like one o'clock. I mean, I hate to say that on here, but I was out at one in the morning. Okay. I was out at one in the morning in Berkeley. They make you show your Vax cards. It's terrible, but regardless, (laughs) next day, 7am agenda starts, you know, grinding. Okay. My dad and I are like, Hey, we, like, we got to leave. We left probably around six back to my house in Fresno, um, which is three hours away, three and a half hours. And the next morning I had a 6 a.m. flight with my family to go to Manhattan, Kansas. So we turn around, fly out to Manhattan, spend two days there, and then the dead period hits. So, I mean, it was like a freaking nonstop grind. And while all this is happening, it's sort of like – 
you have somewhat of a deadline because, you know, I'm hearing from some other schools like, Hey, you know, this guy might not come here. So we'd love to have you or, or like some places like, Hey, we have a couple backups. Like you're our number one guy, but we need to know in like a week or else we're going to go with someone else because like, we can't be screwed. You know what I mean? Like our, we can't leave our program in shambles if you don't decide to come here, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and one of the things I really liked about Kansas state is they put no pressure on me at all. They didn't believe in that, which I really appreciate. And I think it's terrible. It happens in recruiting all the time is kids will get pressured. You know, they'll be like, Hey, we have an offer for you, but you have to decide by the end of the day. And if you don't take it, we're yanking it. I mean, stuff happens all the time. Um, so again, really appreciate that Kansas state never put me in that situation. Again, I think really speaks to their philosophy, which I liked. Um, yeah, and so those two schools really fit everything that I was looking for, a good culture, guys I fit well with, and it was a tough decision, but I'm really happy I, I'm, I made the one to go to Kansas State. So, yeah, take us through that decision of deciding between those two. How long did it take, obviously, with the dead period, it kind of impacted, but what was the thought process of deciding between those two? Yeah, well, ideally I wanted to decide before Christmas, that was my timeline, and that was a timeline that when I spoke to schools, they agreed upon. Um, felt like that was a, a good amount of time for me and for them. Uh, but really the di differentiator for me was I, I felt like Kansas State could win, could win more games. Um, and their coaches, I felt like I, I meshed with their philosophy and, and their strength staff and their players. I, I, I knew some of the guys who had played on the team. Um, I felt like it would be a, a lot more seamless transition and it has been, it's been awesome. Um, but those things coupled with the fact that I would, I would get into the MBA program, which at Cal, if you haven't heard, they're like, they're the number one public university in the world. And look, uh, unless you got a 4.0 plus you're not, you're not getting in. Yeah. You're not. And I hate to break it to you guys. I didn't get a 4.0. I had a good GPA, but <laughs> not a 4.0. Um, so those things mattered to me. You know, I, I wanted to be set up for after football, and I, I felt like the team who, on offense, I believe they had like eight of the 11 starters returning on offense, uh, minus quarterback and center and one of the guards, um, felt really strongly about that. I felt really strongly about the returning team and our chances, and then eventually they'd go on to kick LSU's ass in the bowl game, but – really enjoy their their style of play and feel like I could fit in fit in perfectly um so it it was really the the right decision for me and I'm really really glad that I made it what's funny is side note when I decided to put it out there um I had a school Ole Miss reach out to me and as soon as I as soon as I committed five minutes later like hey would you be interested I'm like hey I that's not what I'm about. Now, what's crazy is you saw other guys actually go to another school and then flip just like that, which I get it. Like at the end, of the, it'll be washed under the rug. People will forget about that. Uh, but for me, it's, it, it wasn't something that I could do and not something I wanted to do either. Um, there are some other people in the picture uh, that were really interesting, you know, some SEC schools and some big 12 schools, but when I decided to commit, 
publicly, it, I was shut down after that. Turning down the portal king himself. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think they did all right. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I don't know who what, if they ended up grabbing a quarterback or not. Did they? I feel like they did. Yeah, they grabbed Jackson was Dart. Was it Jackson Dart? Yeah, yep. yeah. And see, that's the thing, too. You know, a lot of these schools, I was lucky to have somewhat of an inside source, which I, I can't reveal my sources. But, <laughs> uh, tell me sort of like what each school, like some of these schools, what they were about and what if they're recruiting multiple people, what kind of the kind of the rumor mill and what was going on and who knows if some of those other schools, and they probably were recruiting me and a couple other guys, you know, um, that was something that I really liked about Kansas state as well as they, they definitely seemed to make me a priority. And uh, again, things really hit it off from the jump. So you make that decision. What was the response like on social media and text and whatnot? Yeah, there was a lot of congrats, a lot of really happy, you know, for you and um, go kill it, go have success, stuff like that uh, from my friends and support system, former teammates and whatnot. Uh, social media reaction, I don't really know. You know, I'm all positive from what I saw. You know, I, I think uh, only time will tell ultimately, and, and I'm excited to see what I do with this opportunity, you know, and that's sort of the phase I'm in right now that I'm, I'm really excited about. I'm working really hard towards this goal and this culture and this team. Uh, I feel really good about it. So um, it's a process. And like the cliche goes, you know, when, when in the day, that's, that's yeah. all we can do now. Exactly. So you do that. You move to Manhattan in early January you get there. What's your first reaction? I mean, you visited Manhattan before, but uh, you officially move in. What's it like? Give us an insight to what it's like to live in Manhattan, Kansas. Well, it's it's a lot like Nebraska, truly. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a little less windy, thankfully. Um, <laughs> gosh, I can't stand the Nebraska winter wind. I don't know if there's anything worse, but little less windy, not as cold, um, but everything else is really similar. Uh, Manhattan is a true, true college town. It's small. Um, and where I live, I'm a little bit on the outskirts, if you will, which is like five minutes from town. Um, <laughs> but I, I enjoy it. You know, it's, it's a fun place. It has a fun downtown. And, um, you know, the people who are here want to be here. And that's, that's an awesome, uh, awesome sort of vibe about it. And yeah, obviously the size of the town makes a difference because Lincoln, while the university is a huge part of the ecosystem in Lincoln, it's not the entire thing. Um, so what differences do you see there between Manhattan and Lincoln in terms of that retrospect? Yeah, I mean, you, you really hit on it. As I like to say, Lincoln has college people and normal people. You know, there's there's a there's a good mix. And in Manhattan, it's pretty much all college people, which is fine. I, like I said, I really enjoy the college uh, town aspect of it, but um, outside of that, there's not a whole lot of differences. I mean, golf is pretty big here too. There's not as many nice courses from what I've heard, but where I live, there's a par three golf course on the like premise, <laughs> the premises. So it's, it's pretty sweet. I'm enjoying that. Not yet, but I will, I will enjoy it once my shoulder's right. Yes, there you go. Hey, yeah, you can't. It's hard to beat Lincoln Public Golf. I'm telling you what. 
No. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I'll definitely go back this summer for that. I'll be, be playing a couple rounds. Yes. Uh, and then how's the campus? Hmm. It's cool. The, the business school is really nice. Um, I, I guess it was redone like four years ago or so. Uh, and it's, it has a, it's like a castle theme around here. I don't know how to explain it outside of that. If you saw some images of it, like the stadium's done up that way. Um, there's a lot of buildings around campus that have that same sort of uh, architecture feel to it. Um, and it is, it is pretty. It is a really nice campus. And I've enjoyed that. Um, Lincoln's really nice too. So for me, again, it's like my – someone said this to me today and it shocked me, but I've spent half a decade in college, which is criminal. I mean, that's criminal. <laughs> it's kind of criminal. <laughs> I, hate, I hate to admit that, but <laughs> for me, it's, it's – you'll never beat that first time stepping on a college campus. Um, it's just a different feel, you know, and the way you kind of – all the, the college – um, spirit kind of hits you wherever you're at, but I, I have really enjoyed it and really embraced it as well. Yeah. Something special about stepping on me. Like I belong here mm. that that's the special feeling right there. Yeah. Wow. And then, I mean, you get there now you gotta get used to new teammates. I mean, how's that been going? I mean, we, I saw on Instagram the other day, post a big pic, friend group picture of the guys. I mean, how's that going? Yeah, it's good. It's really good. Um, and part of that's a process, too, because a lot of these guys have known each other for a while. And also me stepping in as a quarterback, I have to find my way as a leader. And um, that's a process, you know. So it's just getting to know these guys, spending time with them, forming relationships off the field, outside of the weight room, and also inside the weight room and on the field. Uh, and, and that stuff comes over time, but they're a really accepting group, a really tight knit group, which I like. Um, and, and it's, yeah, I can't say it enough. I've said it five times already, but it, it really is a process, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just uh part of it, but they've done a really good job of sort of integrating me into that. Yeah, I bet. So, I mean, yeah, new place, setting out new roots. It's all exciting, is it? It is. It is um, a lot to be excited about. And right now is kind of the, the grind time, which is which is fine by me. But season's a little bit a ways in the distance. And so we are we are grinding. But that's where those those kind of those bonds and, and those relationships really form and sort of that shared struggle, if you will. Speaking of that, any funny teammate stories you got? Not yet. Not yet. Know? <sighs> No, I wouldn't say so. Nothing I can share yet. You know, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. (laughs) I'm just getting to know them, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll we'll get some. Yeah, in time. Later on. Yeah, in time. I don't mean to backtrack a little, but going back to uh, Colin Klein, who's now the offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach that you'll be working under. How's it been with him? I mean, he's kind of a younger guy. Obviously, he went to K-State and showed out. Um, And I mean, kind of a similar similar play style to you. So, I mean, how's that been interacting with him, bouncing ideas off of him of what stuff you can implement in this upcoming season? Yeah. I mean, he's an incredibly bright football coach and I'm really excited to work with him. Um, yeah. And, and it's going to be his first year as an offensive coordinator, which is awesome. His first outing um, was the LSU bowl game and they put up 42 points and really beat the brakes off of LSU. So excited to see what we can do together 
And while working with him, he's, he's really flexible. And I, I like that. Like you said, he's a, a younger guy, um, not too removed from playing, but incredibly loyal to Kansas state. And, um, he had some success himself. I mean, he was a Heisman candidate. They won the big 12, um, had a great year and he knows what it looks like. And, uh, I think he knows we could do the same thing, you know, this upcoming year. How's the dynamic change from having coach Redusco, who obviously is older than what Colin is? How, I mean, what's that? I wouldn't say adjustment, but just what's that difference like? Yeah. Um, you know, that's, it's still coming along for me. You know, I think I need to spend some more time with, uh, coach Klein to really get a feel for that. But, Verdue did a great job of always bringing the energy. So, you know, when you think of a typical sort of old football coach, you probably think of like someone who's kind of boring and nonchalant-ish, if you will. And, I mean, Verdue was not that way at all. So he really had a lot of the same mannerisms as a young football coach. So I don't, I don't really think it'll be that much of a transition in that regard. And also Coach Klein um, – he knew Verdue. Uh, I think he knew him from when he was at Northern Iowa. Uh, and one of the GAs did as well. So there's a lot of um, sort of relationships of coaches who are at Nebraska and were at Nebraska and guys who are at Kansas State now because they were all in a way together at Northern Iowa in previous previous stint. So um, there's a little bit of that knowledge. I think Coach Klein will bring a new perspective, which is always a good thing Uh for me especially because I've been coached by the same guy for four years. So a, a new perspective on some things, you know, we might catch some stuff that I missed in my four years. Yeah. Well, it'd certainly be interesting. I mean, you're already there. I mean, how far away does your time making that decision? How long does that feel go? Oh, I mean, it feels like a year ago <laughs> at, at this point, you know, I, it was so hectic and uh, so much was going on. It was really a monumental type decision for me, at least in my mind. You know, it's, it was a big decision um, yeah. and a lot, of, a lot of drama, a lot of, you know, social media nonsense that I chose not to partake in really um, and overcame it. Felt like I made a, a really good decision, solid decision for the right reasons and feels removed now, you know, it definitely feels like it's in the rear view mirror. Um, and that's a good feeling. You know, I, I think I, I have for the last couple of weeks, but officially feel like I'm, I'm here, you know, um, for a little bit, there's still like so much of me, I was wrapped up in, not that it was a bad thing, but being a, a corn husker, being at Nebraska mm -hmm. and, you know, and I, I really tried to represent that school and, my team the best I could. And for a while there, I really was one of the main people representing it. So to kind of disassociate myself from that for a little bit, took a little bit of time, but um, I definitely feel like I'm, I'm where I need to be now. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to have that detachment when you've just poured sweat and tears and blood into all four years of playing football. I mean, that's something I don't envy you, but you got through it. Now you're at K-State. You're ready to go, and good things are about to happen. I have a feeling. No doubt about it. I do, too, truly. Um, it'll be fun to watch and something new. You know, not very many people can say they, they played at a couple different schools, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking to play at a higher level than I ever have before. So There we go. 
Well, let's go into it. That's a more broader discussion. You've been part of the transfer portal. That's a newer thing now, and now players are taking full advantage of that. It's called football's own version of free agency. Um, and I guess, by all counts, this is destined to say, and for me, it should stay. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's it's Pandora's box, right? Once you open it up, it's not closing. I yep. mean, you, we're not going back to no transfer portal. Anyone who thinks that is just being unrealistic. It's not going to happen. Um, and, and I am for player freedom in that regard. Uh, just like anything else, you're going to have people on, on the right side of things, doing things for the right reasons, and you're going to have people that aren't. Um, before the transfer portal, when you had to sit out, there are guys leaving for no good reason, um, and that's st- it's still going to happen. You know, guys are going to be persuaded for the wrong reasons. It's it's still going to happen. But there are a lot of people who um, go into the portal with the right intentions, you know, looking for a better situation or, you know, there's a, a really they're in a really bad spot at the current school and, and needed an outlet or maybe they haven't played at all and they want to go transfer to a, an FCS school or, you know, a lower lower division school, whatever it may be, and they wouldn't have had that opportunity really otherwise without sitting out a year. I think that's a good thing for everyone, you know, for those other schools um, and for, for those players. And when coaches, as we've seen in this latest coaching carousel, can move so freely without real penalty, can move before the end of the season, can make – $12 million can um, be only held accountable to share a mass Teamworks, which if you don't know what Teamworks is, it's it's an app where the whole team signs up and gets team announcements and updates and scheduling and all that stuff. If Brian Kelly can be only responsible for sharing a Teamworks message with his team about leaving Notre Dame, going to LSU – why can't a player put his name in the portal and go pursue his dream of playing somewhere else? I mean, it's only fair for that player. Now, are there issues? Yes. And I mean, there will be some serious problems with some of these mid-major schools who, I mean, for lack of a better term, will essentially turn into farm systems for some of these bigger programs. When your best player had a great year, he's like, well, I, I want to go play at, you know, USC. Sorry, Colorado State. You know, I mean, that's yeah. There's not a lot keeping uh, kids from doing that now. In all reality, if you're good enough, man, you're going to play at the next level. You see, the number one tight end in the country this year is from Colorado State. The, you know, the might be the number one quarterback is from Liberty. You know, the guys make it from all over the place, but there are a lot of pros. There are a lot of cons. In my experience, it was crazy, but I am incredibly thankful that it's there. And and I, I think just like NIL, which I'm very thankful for, it's opened a lot of doors. Um, I think both of these things just need to be redefined a little bit. There needs to be some more parameters. But who's to set those parameters? I mean, we don't know. The NCAA at the moment doesn't gain a lot of respect. Well, in all in a, they're a joke. I mean, I'm not going to put it like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and they have no power. They have, they essentially have no power. 
And I have a couple of theories, you know, like there might be a, a super division, a, a super league, if you will, where sort of the upper echelon of Power 5 football jump into their own division and create their own rules and regulate themselves and have a commissioner of sorts. And there needs to be that figurehead or someone who has authority to make some of these decisions. And who knows if university presidents or uh, people will step up and and make that happen. I don't know. Who knows? Um, But the current system is definitely flawed. And it's, I said it when NIL first came out, it was like the wild, wild West. And it is still very much like the wild, wild West. I mean, NIL is solely left up to the state's legislature and what the university deems okay, essentially. And for some schools, that's pretty loose. And like, hey, we want to win some football games, so let's and, – and I don't think that's necessarily the way to do it, but some schools are taking that approach, and you know, we'll see if, it, see if it pays off for them. Bold strategy, Cotton, right? <laughs> I, think, I think it was Texas that had – that they would have a $50,000 NIL donation uh, to every one of their offensive linemen. It was, it was some deal like that. Even BYU, this is actually pretty cool too. BYU, I think they had every one of their walk-ons got some sort of NIL deal too. Yeah. That's awesome. See, there's pros and cons. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, I, I, I truly do believe every student athlete deserves that opportunity and it opens so many more doors that weren't open before. And they deserve those opportunities. Now, when you do that, you're going to get this whole, hey, we're offering this kid 400K and we're labeling it a NIL deal when it's really just a booster paying this kid to come to school. I mean, it's it's tough, but you can't for now, you, you can't really uh, you can't get one without the other. You know, it's just the reality of it. Yeah interesting days we have ahead and see what type of regulation yeah. finally gets implemented now and then talk going back to the transfer portal adrian is there anything that you would change now that you've been in it hmm. um not necessarily no um i feel good about the way i went about it one of the things i was pretty adamant on is i I didn't want to tell media outlets what my top schools were, who I was talking to, who was talking to me. I, I didn't want that getting out there. One of them being out of respect for the schools that reached out to me. And I, I didn't want to be a, a, a media headline. You know, I'd been that for a while. Um, tons of stories written about me. And somehow people still found out. I don't know how. They found out I was on campus and they found out I was here or there. And it wasn't me spilling the beans, but... Um, I'm glad I went about it the way I did because I know I saw some other guys, you know, who play into it and that's just never been me. So I'm thankful that I, I stayed true to the way I, I wanted to go about it and stay true to me. And, um, hopefully, uh, you know, didn't upset too many people, <laughs> you know, and at the end of the day, like, who cares? Like who, yeah. who cares? I, I feel like I, I did what was best for me and, um, Really, I wouldn't change anything. You know, I I wish um, it didn't have to happen on such a tight time frame. If I could go back, I'd probably make the decision sooner. It just, 
I don't know how much sooner you could really make it, you know? And I, by the time I made the decision, I had to really, if I really wanted to be um, particular about it, I, I had about a month, you know, and some guys made the decision even later, just me and my personality, I, I couldn't do it. You know, I couldn't wait until January 5th to make my decision. Um, and with quarterbacks too, those spots get taken up fast. It's the same way in recruiting. I mean, quarterbacks are recruiting their sophomore or committing their sophomore year of high school, um, essentially to lock up their spot, you know, and uh, it's somewhat of the same thing in the, the transfer portal business. And coaches use that as leverage. Um, like I'd mentioned before, Kansas State didn't, which I appreciated. Um, but just the reality, you know? Yeah. And I mean, it creates a whole new dynamic in terms of team building as well, because you're going to have schools that might just specifically go out and get guys out of the transfer portal. We saw that this year with Michigan State, uh, Kenneth Walker, Heisman candidate or up to it, um, really came into his own. And Michigan State was a really good team and they're attacking the portal again. And you're going to see teams just build through the portal. Um and the same thing with mid-major schools, too. Their pitches to recruits may be, hey, we're going to get you for two years. You're going to become a stud, and we're going to send you off to Power 5. Mm. It could be, and, and it could definitely turn into that. Um, now, that's tough. I mean, and it kind of it might eat at your culture as a team and what yeah. you're trying to build as a program. But, I mean, like I said before, they could turn into glorified uh, farm system teams, which I hope – isn't the case. I mean, I growing up, Fresno State was my favorite team. I idolized Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. I loved them growing up. Um, so I don't want mid-major schools to turn into that. But I could definitely see it being something like that in the future, you know. And whether they embrace that or not, I don't know. But the transfer portal isn't going anywhere. And like you said, it there's been some success. Now I think it's it is risky to an extent. Uh, you don't know how well some of these guys will transition, and I think it tests the the evaluators within a college football program. You know, I I think it's uh, a testament to some of those guys who can. Hey, this guy, we think he's a little undervalued. He's in the portal. We think he could really succeed here. Uh, his tape looks good. Did our research. He can come and fit in and go help him transition into the program. I think those are some of the biggest things. It's not solely up to that guy to be, to have it be a successful kind of situation. Like, yes, he's going to need to put in a lot of work, but it's on the program to help him succeed in that transition. And I, I mean, Kenneth Walker, I'm sure if we talked to him, he would say something along that those lines. Um, So, yeah, I think it's, it's how you develop those guys once you get them in your program and, the guy you're deciding to take on because, Hey, look, the, the recruiting outlets don't always get it right. There's some guys who are better and some guys who are worse. And I think part of it is the program they ultimately go to and how they're developed there. Yeah. And I mean, there's already some talk of the NCAA doing setting up transfer portal windows um, where guys can transfer or take visits in a set amount of time, a couple ta- times throughout the season. Now, do you think that in would the season during the season sorry, off season? I should. Okay. Say. I was going to say, not, Oh my would, gosh, probably not during the season, but I yeah. would imagine in that um, December to January window um, as well as that sometime in the spring 
um, before spring football or whatnot. Um, and I would imagine that would probably would have helped your situation having that little more time to do all that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it was poorly structured this year, but also I think the portal was as explosive as ever this year. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they projected to have that many people in the portal. And also there's just a lot more people in college football right now. I don't know if that's, Maybe that's a, an exaggeration on my part, but there's, I know this for a fact, there are times three more NFL prospects this year than in a normal year. And that is because of COVID. It's because of the holdovers. There's six-year guys, fifth-year guys. I mean, I'm a fifth-year guy. I played four years and I get a fifth year, but there's a lot of people with extra years of eligibility looking to find other places to use it. So, of course, the NCAA, I don't think, was prepared for that. And that window wasn't really ideal. And with bowl games and different things, it was sort of a disaster, really. I mean, you saw the Wyoming guy. He played a great game. Next day, I'm in the portal. I mean, it's just bizarre timing from a lot I mean, a lot of different guys. But um, I, I think the window idea would be something good for guys and for programs um, to make it just easier for everyone involved. Yeah. And I mean, for coach's standpoint too, you can just set your board and then it's less chaotic of a guy can just transfer anytime. Yeah. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And yeah, I, it's part of the game. If you're, if you're a college football coach, you got to keep your guys happy. <laughs> it's a yeah. new element, you know? Certainly player empowerment, the era of player empowerment, I would say. And I think yeah. here to stay and overall, I think it's good for the game. A um, couple of house cleaning before we go away, folks, we are up for the sports podcast awards, best college podcast. Make sure to go and vote for us on sportspodcastawards.com. Voting is open till March 6th. We plead you, please vote if you like this so much. Go ahead and vote for us. And as always, go back, listen to previous episodes from last season, talking to some former Nebraska Cornhuskers, as well as this season, as we have some great upcoming guests. So make sure to keep up with everything that we are going to be churning out. Adrian, it's an exciting future here uh, to be a listener of Athletes Unfiltered. Without a doubt. And plenty of more stories to be told and uh, really excited for what's to come. There you have it. This has been episode two of season two of Athletes Unfiltered. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Again, this isn't just another press conference. This is Athletes Unfiltered. From Adrian Martinez, I'm your host, Jeff Ekstrom. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. A Huda Media Production.